my wife Carrie and I were blessed to be in the Florida Keys last week. Um, in May, uh, May 14th of this year, uh, we will have been married 25 years. And so we went down to celebrate that. <clears throat> Pray for her. She's got a few more with me, Lord willing. While we were there, we had, of course, a great time, but there were times of, of reflection as well. And it's, it's always such a joy to look back and to, to be mindful of the faithfulness and the goodness of God. Uh, we got home, and uh, my mom had been here with Asher, our 12-year-old, and um, she couldn't believe at, at how much he'd grown, and, and, you know, she sees him, but, you know, it's in a few weeks, sometimes kids can change pretty, pretty quick. And so on Friday, um, we were talking, and we were talking about, you know, how much to his great disdain, he's, he's going to probably look a lot like me. And uh, she, she, she had a picture, and she said, you know, uh, I have a picture of you when you were 14. Of course, Asher is 12. And so she sent me this picture of me when I was 14. <laughs> yes, I had hair. As my sons will one day say, I had hair. Um, of course, I'm in a time of reflection this last week, thinking on 25 years. And boy, this took me way back. And I remembered this kid. This kid was in trouble. This was taken the spring of my eighth grade year. I was 14 years old. Um, I was in trouble. And I was big. And I was strong. And I was smart. And I was very scared. And I was very angry. Because I was lost. I was lost in sin and I was on my way to hell and I didn't care. About 14 or 15 months after this picture was taken, I was saved. I went from being darkness to light and the trajectory of my life and the eternity of my soul was radically changed. It's amazing to be able to look back and to see the hand of God. Now, some of you sitting here right now, you've been raised in church. Some of you young people, young adults, you're, you're not like me in that you, some of you have been raised in church, but some of you, even those of you raised in the church, you're exactly what I was lost without Jesus Christ you are lost you are on your own you are darkness the trajectory you're heading on is eternal darkness I want to tell you Jesus can save you just like he saved me. No matter what you've done or what's been done to you, Jesus can save you. God has divine purpose for all things. 
I think about my life. I think about who I knew. I think about how I was raised. I think about what was going on. People were praying for me. People introduced me to Jesus Christ. It was not coincidence. It was the sovereignty of God. It was providence that led me to him. It's God's plan. Here's what I know. God has a grand story. The Bible tells us creation, fall, rescue, restoration. And every single one of us has an individual story. And that story is within the context of God's grand story. And your story matters. Your story is crucial. And your story is written. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God has written your story. It is now time to go and live that story. If you will believe on Jesus Christ, you will become a child of the living God, a child of light. And you will be free to accomplish God's purpose for your life. And you will find that, that what God has for you has already been prepared. All you have to do, all we have to do is trust God and walk in his light as he is in the light and be light. And we will do it. God's divine purpose can and will be done. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship created Christ Jesus for good works. Listen, listen to this, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God has a plan for your life. God has a divine purpose for everything you encounter. God is at work in the world. His story is unfolding. He is ready to work in your story that you might fulfill your purpose, your divine purpose. In this series, as we've been walking through the, the first few verses of Colossians, we've been seeking to understand what God has given to us for his divine purpose. Today, I want us to focus on the strength and the security that God gives to us for his purpose. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, take it out and turn with me now to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be in verses 11 and 12. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. If you didn't bring a Bible, there's probably one in the pew rack in front of you, unless someone's already taken it today. I've encouraged people today who don't have a Bible to take the one that's in the pew. We've got more. We'll replace it. Feel free to use your uh, devices. Isaac's going to come read for us. Isaac, uh, again, this is Colossians chapter 1, and Isaac is going to read for us verse 11 and 12. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you for reading for us, Isaac. Again, that was written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit by the Apostle Paul, who was in prison in Rome at the time. He was being visited by Epaphras. He was a member of the church at Colossae, a city that, that, uh, that we know of Paul never visited, but was influenced by him because Epaphras apparently had come to saving faith when Paul was ministering in Ephesus. And then uh, the church at Colossae raised money to send Epaphras on a mission trip to care for the needs of Paul. While Epaphras was there, he explained to Paul what was going on back at the church in Colossae, 
which inspired Paul by the Spirit of God to write the Word of God to deal with what was happening. And what was happening there is what is happening now. The church was being negatively influenced with lies, with well-spoken frauds. And Paul was writing to speak to the supremacy of Christ, to speak to how Jesus Christ has made all things, and by him he sustains all things, and it's he alone who has the power and the right and the privilege and the capacity to provide everything for God's divine purpose. So writing to this church, he sought to encourage them. He now points to what God had given to them. Right now I'm reading, rereading one of the great classics, The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. If you have never read it, you need to. You must read this. It is an allegory. You guys know I rarely say you must read something. You must read this. And I would encourage you to get the Penguin's publication because it's an allegory and it provides, the Penguin's uh, publication provides the scripture verses that explain the allegory. I am, uh, I'm reading this now. I've gotten through Christian's journey, and now I'm in Christiana's journey. And, and what it shows is it reminds us as believers that we are on a journey. Everybody in this room is on a journey. And either you're on the narrow way that is provided in Christ, or you're on the broad way that is the way of the world. The narrow way leads us to heaven. And in the halls of heaven, we will forever give glory and honor to God in the delight and the joy and the peace and the the gratitude of his goodness. For those who are on the broad way, the road leads to destruction. And being darkness, you will remain in darkness forever. God calls us to light. He calls us to live in him and to journey. And this is a long journey. And some of you are almost home. God bless you. You're almost home. Don't give up now. Remain faithful. And as you pass that river that is death, know that there will be footing. The Lord will see you through. For those who are walking in this way, know that the Lord has provided for every single step. And you can honor him. And you can be a help to others. And and you can have hope. Charles Spurgeon, writing of this journey, he he wrote this. Um, He writes, Believer, you're anticipating the time when you shall join the saints above in ascribing all glory to Jesus. But are you glorifying him now? The apostle's words are, To him be glory both now and forever. Will you not this day make it your prayer? Lord, help me to glorify thee. I am poor. Help me to glorify thee by, the, by contentment. I, I am sick. Help me to give thee honor by patience. I, I have talents. Help me to extol thee by spending them for thee. I have time, Lord. Help me to redeem it that I may serve thee. I have a heart to feel, Lord. Let, let that heart feel no love but thine and glow with no flame but affection for thee. I have a head to think, Lord. Help me to think of thee and for thee. Thou hast put me in this world for something, Lord. Show me what that is and help me to work out my life purpose. I cannot do much, but as the widow put in her two mites, which were all her living, so Lord, I cast my time and eternity too into thy treasury. I am all thine. Take me and enable me to glorify thee now in all that I say and all that I do and with all that I have. This is what God helps us to do. And God gives us what we need to do it. 
in our text, we see these two things. Write it down and remember. God gives, first of all, strength to those pursuing heaven's purpose. He gives strength. But notice, it's to those pursuing heaven's purpose. You'll remember, if you've been here, and if not, look back there in verse 3 uh, through, through 10. The Apostle Paul is, is, has spoken to them about who they are, that they are people of love and hope. I'm sorry, of faith and love based on the foundation of their hope in heaven. He's praying for them as they've been discipled by Epaphras, and his prayer is that they will be strengthened in all knowledge so that they may know God and fulfill his purpose. And now he's writing to them, and he says, being strengthened with all power. Those who believe, those who walk with Jesus are strengthened with all power. Again, translations are what they are. I so wish this was translated, empowered with all power. Because the Greek is, is literally dunamai, dunamu, minoi. Uh, both words, strength and power, come from the same Greek word, dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. It is an explosive power. And he's saying here that you've been strengthened, that you've been empowered with all power. The God of all power now empowers you. Now, there's a reason why he's using this language. In the day of Paul and in that time in Colossae, the vogue and the thing that people were longing for and desiring was power. Uh, humanity, we are always tempted with, with four common idols, four common temptations. Power, pleasure, popularity, and possessions. We will often replace God with any one of those four things. Paul is writing to one of the core idols of humanity, power. And he's speaking to them about what it is they desire. And what he's saying is, God alone can impart this. God alone has the capacity to provide what is needed. And God gives his power for a purpose. Please understand, God does not empower his people so that they live apart from him in sin. If you are his child... And if you're in sin, expect God to discipline you. Expect him to remove from you the capacity to dishonor him with what he's given to you. Expect to be powerless in your prayers. Expect to be powerless in your hope. Expect to be powerless in divine things. Expect to have to live on what it is you're counting on, which is your own strength and your own flesh. God is no fool. He is not going to give you what is his for you to use with what his enemy desires. God gives us his power for his purpose. And if you are not living in his purpose, here's what you can expect to discover. He will take it from you. Not because he doesn't love you, but because he does. He does not want you to use what is good and his for evil. And so he will take it away. He will discipline you. And that's what a good parent does. That's what parents do. Children, when your parents take things from you, be grateful they are taking them from you because you're probably going to hurt yourself with it. They're going to treat you with the level of maturity you reveal. So you think about this, parents. What have you, what have you given to your children? Most parents, they've given a bicycle at some point probably. A cell phone, unfortunately and a car. 
And so there are times, you know, when we, when we give these things to our children, and it is such a terrifying moment to see a child go right off on a bicycle and say, I'm going to my friend's house. And dad say, oh, Lord, please let the child have the wisdom of his mother. <laughs> there are times, you know, when they have their cell phones, and you say to them, this is not a toy. And by the way, everything you're writing, other parents are reading. They act like they don't, but they're reading it. Every picture you take, everything you post, it's there forever. And don't think I'm not reading it because I am. That's what a good parent does. So when a parent, when a child can't handle a bike, when a child can't handle a phone, you take it away. Because you don't want them to be foolish. You don't want them to, to be harmed. You know, oh, what a terrifying day when your children drive off in a car, right? And you find yourself not praying for their, your child, but for everybody else. <laughs> because you know, right? And, and if they're foolish, what do you do? You take it away. And you say, no, no, no. I can only give to you what you have the maturity to handle. This is what God does with us. God gives his children what they have the maturity to handle. Please understand, God is never limited in power. He empowers you with power according to his glorious might. Please understand, if we have a power problem, it's not, the problem is not on God's end, it's on our end. If we have a power problem, the problem lies with us. I don't know about you, but when the electricity goes out at my home, I don't think, oh, the country has run out of power, what will we do? I think to myself, the country, the, the region has power. My property is disconnected from that power. There's something that has happened that has disconnected me from that power. And so it is in the Christian life. Our God is the God of all power. And if you are not experiencing that power, it is because you are disconnected from him. And it, that happens by sin. That happens by apathy. That happens by distraction. That happens when you say to God, oh God, I'm going to put you on a shelf. I'm going to leave you there on Sunday morning. I'm going, to, I'm going to leave you out here. I'm going to go do what I'm going to do on my own. I'm going to do it. There's no power in that. There's no wonder that you're anxious and angry and scattered and scared and, and sleepless. So long as you're depending on you, you have no power. He gives us all power. He empowers us with all power according to his glorious might for what? Look at this. For all endurance and patience with joy. God gives power for all endurance. Remember, this is a journey. And along the way, there are going to be difficulties. All of them designed. All of them with a divine purpose. God is going to allow us who believe to go through trials. James chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Go back and read about that. He allows trials so that we will have faith and so that we will be strengthened in that. It's not an accident. God allows that. And what he's doing, every time we suffer, every time we go through difficulty, what God is doing is he is applying that power in our life, teaching us to endure Endurance training is, the, is probably the most difficult training you will do. Endurance training creates pain. 
I remember when I left uh, MTSU, I was playing football and I went to Belmont with a group of academicians that I was running. And a young man said, hey, can I go run with you? And I said, sure, have you ever run before? He said, no, but I need to start. I said, okay, we'll just do a few miles. And within the first mile, this young man was bent over, almost crying, saying, I'm dying. I said, what's wrong? He said, everything hurts. And I said, yeah, that's what happens when you run. He said, I'm dying. I said, you're not dying, you're a sissy. (laughs) What had happened is he'd never felt that pain before. And so he wasn't able to get through the pain and to get on with the journey. So it is with many of God's children. At the first sight of pain, we quit. At the first sign of difficulty, we give up and, and, we, and we go off and we, and we try to do it on our own and mess it up and make it worse. God is going to allow us to suffer. It's part of his divine purpose. He has a plan in it. And that is to strengthen us in our faith so that we will be steadfast. And in the midst of it, there's patience for all endurance and patience. Please know God can act anytime he wants. But God always acts at the just right moment. Please teach your children to be patient. And by the way you do that is when they say, mine, now. You smile and say, no, mine, not now. Teach your children to be patient, especially if they're going to drive on Campbell Lane. So that in front of Porter Paints, when it turns yellow, that means slow. Barney was right about that. And red means stop, stop, stop. Not possibly go through and avoid killing someone. There's a wreck there every week. That's my public service announcement. That's all I got. Why? Because no patience. Why does God give us this power? Not so that we can get whatever we want when we want, but so that we can trust God. And know that he is going to provide at just the right time. And so we have, we learn patience. We learn that God is at work in the world. And he has a timetable. And it's just right. And so we can rely on him to empower us so that there is endurance. And so that there is patience. And look what it comes with. With joy. God is teaching us. He wants us to rejoice no matter what? One of my favorite books in the Bible is the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3, look what it says. Oh, it's up there. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble. And by the way, he writes the same things nine times. Sounds like Ferris Bueller. Nine times. This is no trouble to me and is a safeguard for you. Nine times he says, rejoice in the Lord. Have joy. Joy is not happiness. Happiness depends upon happenings. Joy transcends circumstance to God himself. And to rejoice in the Lord is to be strengthened. Nehemiah 8.10. Do you know this one? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. When you can keep your eye on God... And you can know that he is at work in all things for his divine purpose. That he is empowering you for endurance with patience and patience rather with joy. There's strength in that. You can face anything with hope. 
You can know God has a plan for my suffering. God has a plan for this cancer. God has a plan for this conflict. God has a purpose for why I'm going through this time in my life where it's so difficult and I can't see past the next day. God knows what he's doing. Trust him. He will strengthen you. Notice the second thing he gives. He gives security. God gives strength to those pursuing heaven's purpose. God gives security to those qualified for heaven's promise. He says, giving thanks to the Father. Those who receive the strength of God have every reason to be thankful. The person who is ungrateful to God is either dead to the things of God or blind to the things of God. Dead people don't see. And so if you've not been born again, as Jesus described to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, you cannot see the things of God. And so you are ungrateful. And you do not delight in him. You do not rejoice And if you are born again, if you are truly a child of God and you're not able to see the manifestation, the the, the hand of God in your past, in your life, in your present, it's because your sight is either damaged or blocked with worldly things. Both are sin. What keeps us from seeing the hand of God is sin. And if you're not rejoicing in the Lord, if you're not able to commend him and praise him, if you don't delight in him, if he is not your strength, here's what you can know. The problem is on your end. See, those who are thankful and and who are grateful to God, they know they have been qualified to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. We've been made qualified. It is a passive. It is something that happens to us. Understand, we cannot earn this qualification. It is given by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. Now let me explain to you how it should be and show some of you what you're doing wrong. God's design was that we be in harmony with God, but all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, which has created brokenness. Now what many of you are wanting to do is to say, okay, I know that there, I have sinned and there's brokenness. So what I need to do is I need to now, look at that. I need to recover and pursue God's design. And I need to make up for the wrong I did. I need to get in doing the right things. And then everything will fall into place. No. If you bypass the cross of Jesus Christ, you will never have the power to pursue and recover God's design. You can only be made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Look at this. This is Acts chapter 10, verse 43. To him, Jesus, all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. It is only in the name of Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, that is Jesus, who believed in his name, that is the name Jesus Christ, he gave the right to become children of God. Those who receive Jesus, that is, they repent of their sin, believe in what he's accomplished by dying for our sins and being raised and defeating death. We have light and we are made saints. Look at this. Those who believe share in the inheritance of the saints in light. It is a privilege. We can't earn it. All we can do is by faith receive it. And when we do, we gain something that can never be taken away. Because what we get is from the hand of God himself. And what we are, we are in the hands of God. 
You are secure today as a believer in Jesus Christ only because you are in the hands of God. Listen to what Jesus said in John 10. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Isn't that good news? If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can snatch you out of their hands. Look what he says. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Now look at verse 30. And I and the Father are one. Verse 30 is why they killed Jesus. Because he claimed to be God. If you ever talk with Jehovah's Witnesses, just quote John, uh, I'm sorry, yes, yeah, John 10.30. They don't believe it. Jesus is God. And as God, what makes us secure is that he holds us in his hand. It's not that we're holding his hands. It's that he's holding us in his hands. Now, anyone who is a child of light is eternally secure in Christ. The Baptists say it wrong. The Baptists say once saved, always saved. Wrong. If saved, always saved. If you are saved. And that needs to be the question you're asking yourself right now. Am I saved? How can I know? There's so many scriptures that speak to this. Let me use one, Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these, the things of wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were, look at that, not you were in darkness. Look what it says. You were darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. This is how you know you're secure. Because you have become children of light and you walk as light. You are no longer darkness. You are light. And that light is shining. Those who walk in the light of Christ have security in Christ. And listen, we are recognizable by the way we live. Can people see that you are the light of God? Are you described as light? One of the ways you'll know that is that those who are walking in the light will appreciate you. They will encourage you. They will ask you to pray for them. And the darkness will hate you. The darkness will say, be quiet. Don't talk about your God here. Don't speak of your convictions. Don't tell me what the Bible says. Be quiet. We don't want you here. We don't want to hear what you have to say. Go away. Go to your private place and do what you want. But don't speak of it here. The darkness hates the light. Are you the light? Are you a threat to the darkness of this world? If you are, the world will notice. One of my great prayers is one day when I die, the demons of hell say, man, I'm glad that guy's gone. Interesting fun fact. My dad and my brother and I all went to and graduated from the same high school. Not at the same time. When my dad went there a couple of decades before my brother and I, there was a young coach, young at that time, and my dad got in a very serious confrontation with him, and he should have been expelled, but he was only suspended. Over two, two decades later, my brother got 
into very serious trouble and should have been expelled but was only suspended. About that time, I came to saving faith in Jesus Christ and lo and behold, this character became my coach. And I stayed away from him because I knew too much. And I remember there was a competition and in that competition, I had done well and I was required to do more than I typically would have been responsible to do, but I did it and it, it cost me my lunch, if you know what I mean. And it was very hard. And this coach came up to me and he said, well, Pettis, you're nothing like your dad or your brother, are you? And I knew it wasn't a compliment. It was just another insult to my family. And so I gave no response and I just walked away. But I reflected on that moment. And I recall it even now. And I think on how it was in that season at that time, I actually began to be known as a child of the light of God. People did not know what to think. Most of my friends made a joke about it. But you know, that light has continued 31 years. Let me ask you, you're one of the two. Are you darkness or light? What you are will determine where you spend eternity in the kingdom of light or kingdom of darkness. If you are not saved by grace, if you are not a child of light, get on your knees as I did June 28th, 1988. I can take you to the address, to the room, to the spot. Make a spot for your heritage and your memory here at the front today and repent and believe in Jesus Christ and be saved right now and changed. Be changed for all of eternity. Some of you claim to be children of light, and you are. But if you're honest, you have so little power. If you're honest, you don't shine very bright. Come get on your knees and say, Lord, the, the power problem is on my end, not yours. Forgive me. Forgive me for being quiet. Forgive me for not taking in your power by, by submitting to you. Some of you have needs, and here's what's happening to many of you today. You're scared. You're anxious. You're sleepless. You're frustrated. And hear me very carefully. You should be. Because you're depending on you. You know what you can do right now? You can come get on your knees before God and say, God, here's what I know. You're good. Your plan is perfect. What I'm going through right now has a divine purpose. I don't need to know what it is. I just need to know you, and that is enough. And so I'm going to leave this with you, and I'm going to go and live my life as light, trusting the outcome to you. Now here's what's going to happen in just a couple of minutes. We're all going to walk out of here. Some of you are going to walk out in darkness. And a million years from now, you're going to be mindful of this sermon as you suffer. Some of you are going to walk out as children of light because you've accepted Christ. Some of you are going to walk 
with a burden having been left with God, and you're going to walk with peace and joy. Some of you are going to leave here in just a moment, just as oppressed as you came in, maybe even worse, because now you've heard there's hope and you don't have it. You get to choose how you walk out of here in just a minute. Come get on your knees before God. Trust Him. Let's stand together. Lord, we thank you that we can trust you. We thank you that you are at work in the world, that you have a divine purpose for everything, that we need never be anxious or afraid, sleepless or scared. We can trust you. I pray for some today who need to repent and believe and become children of light. I pray for your children today who have no power. Today they would repent and that they would be renewed in your strength. And for some today who are carrying burdens, have concerns, who need your help, hear them as they come to you on their knees. Come now. Come and pray.